The show is all yours, guys. Mike, you ready? Yep. Gabe, are you ready and less depressed? Um, I'm going to take some time to recover. But all right. Yeah, fair enough. We're good. We can uh, go ahead and kick the show off. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of Glass Half Sports. Glad to have you with us. As always, it is September 22nd, 2022. Um, I am one half of your hosting duties, Nick Huffman, for a show that has all of the greatness of a Canelo, Al- of Canelo Alvarez uh, amidst a Triple G fight. So just totally dominant. Uh, joined, as always, by our resident Slenderman and quarterback guru, Mike Mensing. How you doing, buddy? I, I was doing all right before I got called Slenderman and Four Eyes within a four-minute window, but... It's been a little rough in the studio this we'll morning. in there. Yeah, man. Uh, what do we got for the folks this week? Yeah, as always, guys, it's a big show for you today. So we're going to talk about uh, the fall of the Minnesota Twins. Long time coming. Uh, Should have wore black as it's yeah. a funeral today. Uh, Vikings pre and review. Yep. Uh, headline news around the NFL. We're going to play a game today called What's More Likely. Ooh, more games. I like that. Uh, and then we'll go into our NFL Week 3 preview. Yeah, absolutely, guys. Uh, the comment section is open below. Uh, so feel free to comment in on any of our takes or give us some of your own. Gabe will throw them up on the sc- screen throughout the show, and we will be able to interact with you. And if you are a sports fan, with sports fan friends, uh, feel free to like, share, comment, and subscribe, and hit that notification bell for when we post new content on what platforms, Mike? Uh, Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, Twitter, Spotify, YouTube, and Patreon. We all, we all, all, we do also have a Twitch. We just don't have any content on it. And then if they miss the show on the interweb, where can they find us otherwise, Gabe? Mike, holy smokes. Well, See, they can find us on <laughs> MCN6 on Thanks, Saturday. Gabe. Yep, no problem. <laughs> yeah, Saturdays at 10, right? Um, actually, you guys have now crossed over into triple X territory. I think we're now going like 2 a.m. No, no, we're, we're, yes, 10 p.m. We are in the midnight hour. The midnight hour. Yeah. 10 to 10 to midnight about, that's about how long Love the it. show's running. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, uh, yeah, glad to have you guys with us. Mike, you want to kick the show off? Sure. Uh, so let's start with the fall of the Minnesota twins. Uh, they have an absolute collapse towards the end of the season here. Uh, what were we? I think we were four games back. And after going four and six mm. over the last 10, we are now sitting nine games back in the AL Central. All but done for the Minnesota Twins in 2022. So before the show, you were like, you should listen to me. God damn it. Yeah. When I called the Twins dead two weeks ago and you're like, I'm not going to call them dead yet. You should listen to me. God damn it. No. We saw this coming. I mean, if they played anywhere near good baseball over the past two weeks, they would have had a shot. But they haven't played anywhere near good baseball against good baseball teams all year. Buxton season is 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 over as well, which is which didn't is hit triple digits. Didn't games even either. hit triple digits in games. Ninety two. So guess what, Nash? Me and you were both wrong. Um, yeah, uh, it, it's it is Twins baseball in Twins baseball fashion. It's it's. Guys that are good that are hurt. Um, it's late season collapses as everybody else gets ready to play their best baseball. It's bad pitching performances. It's atrocious managerial decisions. It's everything that you'd come to expect expect of the Minnesota Twins in September um, for the last couple of years. So I guess, I mean, we won't dwell on that for too long because if you're a Twins fan, you know what that's like. Yep. Uh, what are... Two to three things that need to change for 2023 for us to not miss the playoffs again. Yeah, I think there's three. Uh, there's a there's three massive dominoes that can and or should be tipped. Right, the first of which is going to be what are you going to do with Carlos Correa? Um, if you can find a way to bring him back, I do think he was good for the culture, not maybe for the veterans on the team, but for based on some of the way that some of the younger 
players, Nick Gordon, um, Jose Miranda, uh, guys like that played throughout the course of the season. You obviously saw them elevated a little bit, and I think that is because of the energy, the leadership, the experience he that he brings into the locker room, guy. right? That can be um, he also provides gold glove level you know, excellence over at shortstop and was relatively healthy this year. I know he has a uh, a reoccurring back injury, but he was on the field more than he wasn't on the field this year. So um, there's some value in that. I think bringing him in would be good. And if you can't, um, man, that's going to leave a massive hole in the infield. And then you have to replace that money with a with a a, a player of the same caliber, um, you know, with, with the way that this team is going to perform. So Carlos Correa is going to be one. The second one is going to be uh, Byron Buxton. I know it's a new deal. Um, Mike was right. I'll give him his his due on this. 92 games is not enough. Hitting 220 is not enough. Having, you know, signing him to be a gold glove level center fielder and then needing him to DH for fear of him getting hurt in the outfield, him being one of the fastest players in the MLB and him not stealing bases uh, because of fear of injuring himself is evidently not worth the, the money that was given to him. That has been proven now, I think, this year was his best was going to be the best showing that he was going to have uh, throughout his entire career. So it's time to start fielding some offers. Go look to a team that can still use him well for 92 games and make a deep playoff run with him and get everything that you can out of it. Um, that would be, you know, the Byron Buxton thing for me. And then last but not least is going to be the Rocco Baldelli situation. Rocco's got to go. I mean, you can see it on the screen here, folks. Warning, will pull starters early for money. It's what he does. Like it's got it. You gotta let your pitchers grow, and you gotta let them go. And the only way that that you know they grow is if you let them go. So it's kind of it's cyclical, right? If you keep pulling them early, they never learn. If you let them go, yeah, sometimes you might lose a ball game in July, but you're more likely gonna win that ball game than in September, and that's the evident issue. So I think Rocco needs to go, and the Twins just need to figure out, you know, how they're gonna do it. I said it last week. They're they're. Obviously, after the Vikings showing last week, which we're going to get to, it's a little bit harder to say this, but they have the opportunity to be the Vikings, Minnesota, the Minnesota Vikings from 2021 to 2022, where if they just fix the coaching issue, bring in some free agents, they could be looking at winning the AL Central next year because it's not that difficult of a division. I agree with you on pretty much everything. I personally would let Korea go, and yep. I would put that money towards an ace pitcher. Yeah, and, and I'm okay Joe with Joe Ryan as your two. I think, you know, depending on the timeline of the ACL injury with Royce Lewis coming back, you have a you have a pretty decent shortstop yeah. for your years to come in that role. Um that's that's what I'm thinking, that's what I would do. Yeah, I don't disagree with that at all. Um I think, you know, obviously and the Twins, if they can get them healthy, do have a solid rotation outside of the ace looking into next year. Ryan at 2, Wale at 3, um are they gonna? Did was Sonny's Gray's deal a one year or two year deal? I thought it was a two year, but you also have guys like Ober that have been like looking decent. Balazovic did figure it out towards the back half of the year in the minors, so he'll be ready to maybe you know make the jump next year. So they've got guys, right? They've got guys. Um, so it's all about just figuring out what you're gonna do with the ace, and then address the fucking bullpen. For the love of God, get me some bullpen help. I will come out of retirement, and I could outpitch some of the guys that came out of the Twins' bullpen this year. Gabe could come out of retirement and outpitch right. some of the guys in the Twins' bullpen thing. this year. Why is that said as a comedic thing? I was going to suggest myself anyway. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, it was... it was. I haven't picked up a baseball in seven years. 
Well, it didn't look like Emilio Pagan had either. Yeah, you know how much no movement shit. I'm getting on my fastball? It, a lot. Anyway, yeah, a lot. <laughs> I love the eyes, by the way. <laughs> All <laughs> right. It's relevant in some way. So, Mike, and, and Mike, for you, what do you see as some? Is there anything else that you think that, you know, outside of the, the laundry list that I just I mean, gave you? To be completely honest, I think you, you win some, you lose some. And we lost a lot with injuries this year. <laughs> You win some, you lose some. We lost a lot. <laughs> we, we lost a lot with injuries this yes. year, right? Yeah. So, like, I mean, you look at that rotation that you just named off. Two of the three or two of the five guys were out with injuries. You also have a guy like um, Attic Kent, Kenta Maeda, who's going to be coming back yeah. or was supposed to be coming back for this great playoff push that we were supposed to be making. He'll be healthy. Attic will be back. Hopefully. Attic will be back. So, Royce Lewis resetting for a minute, right? Resetting the injury list yeah will be massive for this team getting um, half of a roster back yeah and figuring out how you can stay healthier because it seems like the twins are always the team that's just throwing in double a guys because they don't have anybody else yeah no and that makes sense and gabe maybe as you know I, I talk about this if you could pull up a list maybe of uh mlb free pending mlb free agents for this year the twins are going to have a lot of money to spend they're dumping the 19 million that miguel sano had they're possibly dumping the 20-some-odd million or 35-some-odd million that they paid to Correa. They have the ability to move off Byron Buxton if they can find a suitor. So the Twins are going to have, at minimum, what, $40 million um, that's just dropping off the payroll that they could add to this roster for next year because there's a lot of youth here as well. Um, so, you know, there's just uh, perfect. Oh, go back up right there. Wilson Contreras at 31 year, years old would be a great addition behind the plate for the team. Um, Mike Zanino, who do we got at first base? Jose Abreu would be a good one. Um, I think our first base is honestly taken care of. Um, Juan Segura at second base would 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 not be a horrible uh, addition. Trey, Trey Turner, Xander Brogart's... Uh, Ansby Swanson, Tim Anderson. There's, there's another one. Is this the era of the shortstop? I think so. It's crazy. Tim Anderson may be leaving Chicago, though, because... Um, oh, my gosh. I just had his name. Uh, there was a veteran who came in for him when he was hurt, and he can field a lot better. Yeah. And Chicago fans do not want Tim Anderson back in the lineup. Yeah. Because Elvis Andrus. Oh, Elvis yeah, yeah, Andrus. Yeah is playing better than Tim Anderson right in now. the field. Okay. So move Tim Anderson to second base. You know what I mean? So field, um, Joey Gallo, Andrew Benintendi also available. Who else is down there? Gabe scroll through Let's some see. of these outfielders yeah. real quick. Um, Aaron judge. He's decent. I, I mean, <laughs> good luck. That's going to be a $450 million contract that he's looking for. I don't know why you guys even think we're going to spend 45. <laughs> So, I, well, because the correct contract, I think, will be gone. Yeah. Um, so, I just looked this up. The Twins had had the third most players injured. Okay. And lost the third most days to injury. 2,125 days. Man. So, they were literally statistically one of the most injured teams in the league this year. Yeah, that was our great. main issue. Not great. Like and then you know who the least injured team was who? in all of baseball? Who? The Cleveland Guardians. Oh, of course. So that explains what happened in our division this year. I just can you opinion. can we switch over to pitchers here? Because that's the last thing I want to see is who's going to be available as a pitcher potentially for the twins to go get. Perfect. Here we go. 
Carlos Rondon has a... Rom. Oh, he can opt out. Okay. Yep. Carlos Rondon signed with the Giants this last year. He will have the ability. The Twins were in on him last year. Some um, great club option. Yep. Um, Who's Clayton Kershaw? Yeah, I was going to say Verlander. Clayton Kershaw. He's got um, it in the tank. Yep. Sean Manea, that's a guy that we were looking at before the before this year started. He signed in San Diego. They are going to be obviously hurting for cash after they get the Juan Soto deal done. They're going to need Tatis back, things like that. Wade Miley, we saw him pitch for the Iowa Cubs. We did. We did. Um, so there's Greeky. there's geez, what a bunch of Snyder guard, bunch of uh, expired talent, kind of. Yeah, but, no but joke. Major, you know. So what's funny about Snyder guard or Syndergaard, who most people say, <laughs> he's he's only thirty, Gabe. Hold on. What did you just say? Snyder guard. Snyder guard. It's Syndergaard. It's Noah Syndergaard. That's what I said. You said Snyder guard. No way. I'm yep. willing to bet you. Okay. Well, that, we was, can, that was truly a mistake. <laughs> we can run it back. Uh, no, but there's there. So this being said, there are options for the twins to improve this team. But and make honestly, a push like, in the bad I don't AL know Central. How much roster improvement you really need? Right. Third most injured team in the entire league, and the team that's winning your division was the least injured team in the entire league. Yeah, you got to stay healthy. Yeah, I think that goes to the front office. Yeah. What's the first the need? Office. Do you guys think like Ace. if you can just Ace. sign one player? Ace. Ace. Okay, who's that player? Sign Verlander. Why not? I as I your love Ace. That. I'm I, telling you, dude, he's got five more years. You don't need him as an Ace in April and May, or even June. True. Let him throw four to six innings through those months. Oh my God, Rocco, shut your mouth. <laughs> Seriously though, and then like. August, September hits, let him go as long as he wants. I mean, I would like to see them make a big swing. Like, sign a top-line guy. Go get, if DeGrom opts out, go get DeGrom. Go get Aaron Nolan. Go get, you know, Adam Wade. Go get, like, a, a legitimate front-line, 200-inning guy. And even if you got to go trade for one, do it. Get us a guy who could possibly win 20 games. Let's, let's, let's put this into perspective. The last time the Twins had an ace was this guy right here. That was the last time that we had a relevant ace in our organization. Oh, so Jose Barrios wasn't, oh. wasn't an ace? Nope. He wanted to be. He wanted to be paid like one. Listen, hey, there are sometimes sometimes you're wrong, sometimes you're right. All right. Well, I think that's going to wrap up the Minnesota Twins segment. Let us know what you thought about the 2022 season or the lack thereof and what they need to change going into 2023 to not miss the playoffs again. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, With that, let's uh, stay on the track of poor news and cover the Vikings getting throttled on Monday Night Football by the Philadelphia Eagles. And, And now, admittedly, Mike is a little bit more of an X and O's guy than i am i'm more of a jimmy's and joe's kind of guy when it comes to football so why don't you go ahead and explain what you saw from a schematic standpoint that cost the vikings this game uh even though the offense was inept at times i think you have to focus on the defense and the defensive scheme that we were running um to play a, a high shell defense against an rpo offense is backwards to me yes um to give them 8 to 10 to 12 yard cushions on the outside to not mix up what you're doing to not bump late or change your defensive look prior to the snap doesn't confuse a quarterback who in my opinion is not that great right um Jalen Hurts was able to look like Tom Brady because it was clear what we were trying to do a lot of his throwing windows were wide open i think his average yards of separation for a receiver was like 4.7 yeah 
Um, great. Yeah, we. I thought the game plan was horrible from Ed Donatel, and it didn't change either. I think I think the guys the the played better in the second half. I went back and watched just the second half See, of the game. You could make the same argument though for the Green Bay Packers in Week One. Right. Was it us playing better, or, or was it they them saying, up? "Well, it's twenty four to seven. Yeah, let's just get out of here." Yep. Would agree. Would agree there. Um, a little bit of context on this game, I think, is important. Okay. As a as any in any walk of life, you are never your best moment, and you are never your worst moment. We just saw the best of Jalen Hurts, so let's not automatically start the Jalen Hurts for MVP train. How often is a guy who we have all watched miss wide open wide receivers going to throw for 330 and look like the second coming of Michael Vick in Philadelphia? Probably not as frequently as everybody in Philadelphia would hope, right? Um, The other part of this is you are also looking at a team in year two of a system versus a team in game two of a system. Big difference there experience-wise, a big difference in how deep that play sheet gets. Um, Obviously, just by understanding the offense and the defense and having time to gel together and knowing what some of these situations were like. The Eagles were a playoff team last year as well. Let's keep that in mind. They know how to win in big moments and thinking Financial is a massive home field advantage for that team. It's loud there. Like, I don't think it's nearly as bad for the Vikings as some people would think, but I think the area that we got beat in was in the analytics department. They came out and punched us in the mouth, and because we wanted to run a very clean, schematic, almost finesse-style game, we got beat up and then couldn't get back into the fight. Yeah, off that, it was uh, disheartening to see how little Dalvin Cook was involved again. Yes. Uh, he's a top five running back in the league. Uh, you got to just continue to feed that man the ball. Yeah. Uh, he does remind me of a- AP in a small way of yep. 2, 1, 4, negative 1, 78. Yep. Um, so you got to just kind of keep feeding him the ball. Otherwise, that 78 doesn't come. Um, the other thing that I'm pulling away from this is that Kirk Cousins is Kirk Cousins. Yeah. Uh, KOC is not going to change him as much as we thought. Might be able to mask some things, but it's not going to see him get as rattled as he was, yeah. especially late in the game when we needed plays. Um, Definitely I wasn't mean, a quiet that, mind. That man was a sophomore thrown into varsity football that was shitting his pants, throwing the football up to his quote unquote best receiver. Yep. Yep. Um, um, and nothing more. Yeah. And now the other thing that I will say. And credit to the Philadelphia Eagles for this is they are probably the most self-aware team in the NFL right now. They know exactly who they are and they know exactly how they want to play football. And because of that, they can come into a game and go, this is what we're doing. We're here to dictate and we're not changing. When they want to, when they want to run the football, they're going to run the football. If they have to pass, they can, but it's all set up by the RPO. Their defense is good luck running the ball because we have size in the middle. And then I'm going to let my big play corners pick on you and jump routes on third and long, second and long situations. They know exactly who they are. So credit to them and Sirianni, who I think has developed into into the bigger surprise than Jalen Hurts. Everybody kind of knows what Jalen Hurts is. I don't think if you would have, if there was a bet available to say that this is what Sirianni was going to be in year two, nobody would have, nobody would have guessed this. Right. So credit to him for that. Um, And then, you know, the last thing I guess I'll have to say on... on They also started with the most cupcake schedule I think I've ever seen. Evident by them feet backing into the playoffs pretty much last year. Well, I mean this year. 
Lions week one. Mm-hmm. And then us. And then at home against anybody is. Especially a night game. Yeah. Primetime television. Getting Kirk Cousins, who is now like 2-73 and 73 in primetime games or something like that. His fucking record is horrible. So that's the thing is, yeah, they got us, Gabe, but they got us at our worst, which is Monday night on the road. Yeah. Um, but and then, why is that? Kirk oh, Cousins. Sorry, yeah. Kirk Cousins. Cousins I'm so is, glad to hear you guys hating on is terrible in big spots. What what uh so I did not get to watch the show because I was ex or I did not get to watch the Vikings this week, which pissed me off. Shame on you. I was focusing on your show. Oh, thanks. Yeah, that's what I do on Sundays. But anyway, it was what a Monday, um but I, good cover. Yep, Mondays, well, no and Sunday. <laughs> it's both nights. So anyway, um what uh were they singing the praise? Did our offensive coordinator look like such a genius again? So or, me and Mike or O'Connell. I so guess. me and Mike talked about this, and what you pulled out of it was, and correct me if I'm wrong here, is, and I felt like we never got a rhythm, and the way that KOC runs that offense is play four might look like play eighteen, but it's going to be different because of the way all of the window dressing, and because we didn't have the ability to um, get into any sort of rhythm early. You know, only 21 plays in the first half. We weren't able to create a lot of deception because we weren't able to show enough. Is that? Yeah, I think we had four three and outs in the first yeah. half. Um, I mean, yeah, you're first and 10. All of a sudden, it's second and 11. And then it's third and 12. You can't show much. Yeah. You're you're going to a part of the playbook that's not very full yeah. multiple times. I so. mean, and you're still dealing with guys, like I said, in game two of a new system, right? Not all of the kinks are ironed out. I literally made a a, a, a comment to the guys that I was watching the game with the other day, looking at the size of Koshi's call sheet. It's just smaller than it was in, in what McVay's was in LA or what I see some of these other offensive guys have in other system or in other places. And I think that has a lot to do with the fact that this is like, it's all going to build, right? The more tape, the more film, the more times we play, the more things he's going to be able to install. And there just wasn't enough in the, there wasn't enough in the bag for this week. I mean, I don't know if there wasn't enough in the bag. KOC is, here's what I'll say. KOC is a chess master mm-hmm. and he was thrown a checkers board. Yeah. So that makes was sense. it on him? I don't know. Can't tell. Well, I mean, I think you can put some of the blame at his feet and he did the right thing, by the way, in the postgame press conference by kind of landed on the sword and going, listen, I need to be better. I need, you know, and I I was really glad to hear that because it does fall on him. When you go two weeks and Adam Thielen has a total of two catches, when you go two weeks and K.J. Osborne has a total of two catches, Dalvin uh, had a total of 17 total rushing yards. Um, and then also on the defensive side of the ball, Zadarius Smith and Daniil Hunter were nowhere to be found. Correct. You got to put your sometimes because it we is, were rushing forward most of the game, too. Yeah. Sometimes you have to put the onus on your star players. And if you're going to do that, you got to put them in situations to succeed. And that hasn't happened. It didn't really happen enough in week one, but we got away with we it. We saw what one loop from Daniel from the C gap to the A gap. And yep. that was it. Yeah. We're supposed to have this exotic defense that lines these guys up in different spots yep. and blitzes off the edge and stuff. And we have seen none of that. Well, I think. That was because their offense dictated. They came out and showed something they haven't showed before. They were very heavily three wide, and I think everybody was like, oh, it's going to be an RPO game. We won't need to stunt and do all of these different well, things to slow Nicole that down. Blitz. Right. Like, what are we doing? Play, yeah. play press man, disrupt the timing of the RPO, and get in Jalen's face. Yeah, by the way, our defensive backs, 
I felt like I was watching Mike Zimmer's defense with where they, with where they were lined up. Yep. Holy the NFC Championship game for sure. Good Lord. Nine, eight or nine yards off the line, just playing catch coverage, letting a physical receiver like A.J. Brown get a full head of steam and then break your guys off or letting Devontae Smith get up to full speed and then throttle down and burn your corners. You can't do that. You have to stop them at the line. Yeah, I mean, you don't even necessarily have to press them, but having a nine-yard cushion is just really not smart. No. We'll go with that. Yeah. So, tough loss. You will adjust. I don't think, like I said, don't think the the Eagles are as good as everybody says they are. I don't think the Vikings are nearly as bad as everybody thinks that they are right now. I think both teams are playoff teams that will be fine. There's a lot of season left, 15 games. Yeah. So. so, with that, let's go into our week three matchup with Detroit. Good chance uh, to... Look at that whole analytics department again this week because Dan Campbell is going to look at that film and he's going to come out and go, okay, well, we're just going to punch him in the mouth like the Eagles did. And you you better hope the Vikings adjust because the Lions are no slouches. Yeah, they. I think they're averaging like 34 points a game right now. It's a lot. That defense is going to need to be ready. And I don't know. It's And it's nothing special, right? They're just playing fo- They're playing good football. Like they're playing hard. And when you play hard, teams that, wilt under pressure will eventually fold if you just keep going at them. So the Vikings are going to have to buckle this ch- the, their chin straps. And if I'm KOC, I'm trying to get Dalvin to run us into the end zone on the first drive of the game. Wear that defense down. Start with a body blow. On defense, come out and try your damnedest to get after Jared Goff. Get a sack on the first drive. Some you know exotic blitz. Because you got to set the tone. We didn't dictate in Philly. We need to dictate coming home to Philadelphia or coming home to play the Lions. I agree completely. What do you got for a prediction? 31-28. I got 24-20 Vikings. Ooh, holding the Lions down. Holding the Lions down. And then uh, what do you think some of the key matchups are this week? I'm very curious to see how we try to stop Amon Ross St. Brown. Yep. Um, Other than that, can we slow down Aiden Hutchinson? Darisaw Hutchinson is going to be an interesting matchup. I'm really not too worried about anybody else. Yeah. Same. Um, I think our offensive line versus that defensive front, their defensive front is nothing special, but me and you talk about this all the time. When you get a good offensive line or an above-average offensive line against a middling defensive front, you should be able Whole to lad. road grade them. <laughs> I blame the Twins for the Vikings' struggles. I think we all do. I think that's part of what uh, the problem is. You, know? um, you should be able to road grade them, and then on defense, I know that they have – a decent offensive line, but our defensive pass rush is better. Darius Smith has had success against the Lions in the past. Daniel Hunter has had success against the Lions in the past. Dalvin Tomlinson had success against um, the Lions last year. Plus, it's just, it's just, it's off, man. Yeah, right? Like, let's not turn him back into Sean McVay's Jared Goff, please. Can we, and don't leave, if it comes down to the last second, Touchdown opportunity. Maybe just take Cam Dancer off the field. Who actually I thought looked really good week two. Yeah, I was gonna say. You know, I will give him his credit. Um, I think one of the, the one of my biggest takeaways from that game was his ability to come up and tackle, playing the flat from where he was at. His ability to close his pass coverage um, has obviously improved. Um, but you know, Ed Donatel obviously thought he was playing too well, and that's why he came off the field in the fourth quarter. That was an interesting call. Yeah, it was a very interesting call. Well, let us know what you guys think about the Vikings' struggle in Week 2 and looking forward to Week 3 with Detroit and coming back home. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Uh, with that, 
we're going to go into what we call headline news or storylines from week two. Yeah. Uh, let's kick it off with Trey Lance. Huh, kick it off. <laughs> uh, with Trey Lance breaking his ankle and the Niners looking like geniuses for keeping Jimmy Garoppolo. Yeah. Um, not often in life do you get real second chance opportunities. Would you agree? Yeah. Uh, opportunities often pass you by and you're kind of stuck with the result of what your initial decision was. Sure. The Niners are getting a legitimate second chance. I thought you were going to say Jimmy G is getting a legitimate second chance. He is too. Well, he's technically getting the third because he got benched in New England when, you know what I mean? Um, If Jimmy G comes in and plays consistent and the Niners win even a single playoff game, they can 100% get a do-over. They can go, we have Trey Lance, who hasn't played, as a fifth-year option, probably going to be a little bit cheaper, and they could shop him. They've restructured Jimmy's deal, so they're looking good cap-wise, and they could get majority of what they traded to move up and get Trey Lance to start this system over. Go get another young quarterback that you bench behind Jimmy until he's ready, and then run this whole thing back with the draft capital you need to reset this team and continue to make deep runs at the playoffs. All right, hot take for you. Yeah. Trey Lance, who broke his ankle this weekend, is the luckiest man in the NFL. Explain. What is his rookie deal? Let's just take a rough guesstimate on how much he's making in San Francisco. Five? No. He was a first-round pick. He's a fr- yeah, uh, inside the top ten. He's got to be making closer to ten or twelve. A year? Yeah. Okay, so let's say ten. Okay. Okay, so this man is making $10 million a year. Yep. Has played in three football games. In three years. Since t- 2019. Four. Two last year, one this year, one in college. Okay, so four games. Yeah. So four games in 2019, 2020, 2021, and 2022. Right. One game a year for $10 million. That seems pretty lucky to me. Yeah. Man's getting paid. For what? Stay <laughs> holding the clipboard for nothing. Holding the clipboard. Has he proven anything to you that he's an NFL quarterback? You know, and that's what's crazy to me is, no, he hasn't. And even in that Bears game, everybody's going to be like, Everybody oh, the blamed con- the rain. The conditions were shit. Justin Fields got it done. Yep. And he's an Ohio State quarterback that nobody trusts. Yep. Trey Lance should have easily stepped over him in that game. He did not. They were clearly, they were the better team going into that game. And Shanahan came out all camp and said, yeah, he's good, but God, is he inconsistent. And it's driving him crazy. So I, it's, a, it's a tough break for the kid as he moves forward. Is it, though? Like, he's already in a, in a boot and comfortable and living in his mansion. I get it. But the competitor, the competitor in him is going to think, hey, I'm a starting quarterback. I want to be on the field, so on and so forth. I just don't. I, I cannot see him suiting up for the Niners as their starting quarterback ever again. I just. Something about it doesn't seem right to me because there's going to be quarterback movement next year. Well, speaking of one starting quarterback who went down, let's talk about another starting quarterback who had an injury this past weekend in Justin Herbert. Um, Did you watch this game at all? Yeah. So his, his third down throwaway where it was clear that he was like barely able to breathe in the next play, he comes back and throws an absolute strike on a post 40 yards downfield on a level two, like, boom. Yeah. Super impressive. One of yeah. the most impressive things I think I've ever seen. Dude's just an absolute fucking gamer. Yes. So what does this injury do for him? 
Does he miss games with this? Yeah. Have you ever broken a rib or like fr- like had bruised ribs or cartilage or anything like that? Okay. It's hard to get out of bed. Right. It's hard to breathe. It's hard to breathe. It's hard to laugh. It's hard to think because everything and you side do. Side note, really quick. The yeah. doctor that's helping him through this is it's also just... the same doctor that's being sued for from Tyrod Taylor on his rib injury and how he handled it. Oh, it's because he jammed a golf tee through his lung. You know what I mean? And that's how Justin Herbert got the job. So sometimes you lose it how you get it. Um, that's called karma. But um, I'm, I don't know, man. They, they are so, and obviously every system is quarterback-centric unless you're the 49ers and you can just kind of pick up whoever and run the ball 90 times. They, they so depend on his arm talent and his off, you know, off-script ability and different things like that that and it's going to be so limited based on how that injury is going to affect him. I'm all of a sudden very worried about the Chargers' ability to score points. Because now, if I'm, I don't know who they play this week, but I'm going to line eight guys up in the box and dare Justin Herbert to throw the ball. Because, and you know this as a quarterback, as simple as your shoulders not being in the right spot or not being able to get your arm up high enough or wincing on release will change how accurate you are. And all of a sudden, now you turn into a turnover machine because you're not as pinpoint accurate. And this guy has a habit of trying to lace balls into small windows. They play Jacksonville. And Jacksonville's rolling. I don't know if I would say rolling. <laughs> they did have a good game. But I, I don't know. Um, and, and, it's, and if he continues to play, does it ever really heal? Or is it just an elongated process of suffering through the entire season? Yeah, so just to be clear, he has a break in the cartilage around his ribs worse than the bone itself is it yes okay so it's all the shit between your ribs that like holds everything in place cartilage between your ribs yeah that holds everything in place you might have shit between your ribs i got cartilage (laughs) all right and with that let's transition to uh daniel jones and the two and oh giants look at brian dable giving the city of new york some hope they're gonna need a whole lot more than two wins (laughs) Well, I mean, look, with Dak down, right? I mean, the Eagles are are rolling right now, but with Dak down and, I mean, the commanders look like they might be able to stay afloat, and it's not necessarily, like, systematically beautiful, but they're finding ways to win football games. Yeah, so they found a way week one with the Titans missing a field goal to beat them. And then week two, they play, like, the Titans, who are possibly one of the worst teams in the NFL this year. With how they've been about that, um, and then losing to Baker Mayfield's Panthers, so they really haven't played anybody either. Uh, week three, their matchup is going to be the Cowboys. So Monday night, but it's also Cooper Rush's. Cowboys. <laughs> yeah, I was so. going to say, so they could get they by this time next week. I could throw the same graphic up, and the New York Giants could be the leaders in the NFC East. Yeah, Philly's got Washington who could beat them. Interesting. Scary. It's interesting. So you think this is sustainable? And do you think how much of this is Dable and the culture and the offensive system and some of the things that he's put in place coming from a place like Buffalo? Um, I don't think it's sustainable. Okay. One, to be very clear, it is not sustainable. Um, And sure, Dable's averaging 20 points a game. It's not going to win you a whole lot of football games in the NFL. Are you sure? Pretty sure. <laughs> 20 points is enough to be in a lot of football games, though. 
I mean, do you want me to look up like average points per game from teams last year? No, but I'm just saying it's not very much. But 20 is enough to be in the game. It's enough to be in a football game in the fourth quarter. Yes or no? Mm, sure. See? So, I mean, they're going to get their cracks. And if Saquon stays healthy and can milk some games away, and Daniel Jones is anything but Daniel Jones, they'll be all right. I'm very impressed by this and encouraged by this. So 20 points a game would have ranked 23rd last year. Yeah, that's not great. Worse than I thought, I guess. But they were at 15.2 last year. So there you go, Dable. Five-point increase for the offensive guru. Hey, kudos. Uh, (laughs) Let's switch gears a little bit. Um, So the Giants are 2-0. Yeah. And then contenders, like the Bengals, Colts, and Raiders, are having a sluggish start. Yeah, um, what the fuck, I guess? All of these teams before the season, we were all like, these the, this, these teams are units. They should be able to go. So the Bengals' Super Bowl hangover, we're yeah. thinking, right? Well, Joe I think, Burrow is on pace to be sacked 111 times. I think with the Bengals, the thing that concerns me the most is I feel like they got into a headspace of walking into games, we should be favored, and we're not going to have to fight very hard to sure. win them. I. Watching instead of the underdog mentality, instead of that underdog mentality where you have to go take it every week, I think there has a little, there's been a little bit of a a, a change, and you're not sneaking up on teams anymore, right? right? You are the target, the proverbial target that is aimed at week in and week out um, as a team that was just in the Super Bowl. So you're getting everybody's best. So it's a little bit different, and a sluggish start in that division is not a good sign. Uh, Colts, Matt Ryan is a fraud. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and then the Raiders. What is going on with the Raiders? Well, you're giving up 26 points a game right now. Yeah. With Max Crosby and Chandler Jones and a decent linebacking core and decent safeties. Like, is it a schematic thing? I haven't watched enough to you know, <laughs> say whether or not it's schematic, but. I can say if you're up 20 to zero late yeah. in the third quarter, you need to win that football game. Absolutely. Um, week one, they played the Chargers. It was a tough divisional game. Mm-hmm. Like, I'll excuse that one. But you can't lose to Kyler yeah. at home down or up by 20 points. Well, and then they're going for two, and all you have to do is stop the two point, and you let Baby Yoda run around like he stole <laughs> his, his mom's phone for like a half hour. Okay. Ugh. Okay. E. Come on, man. What are you doing? All right, well, I guess I don't get to talk to him anymore. Oh, Mike just disowned you. How do you feel about that? Let us know. Uh, yeah, so it's it's a sluggish start for contenders around the NFL. It's an odd season thus far. We're in week two, and there's a lot of season left, obviously, so some of these teams can buoy the ship. But which one of these teams do you think, because of this slow start, is most likely to miss the playoffs? Colts. Me too. Matt Ryan is a fraud. Yeah. Is that going to cost Frank Reich? Frank Wright, his job. Couldn't get it right with Carson. I mean, couldn't get it right with Phil Rivers. Couldn't get it right with Matt Ryan and hasn't drafted requis- or been able to bring in requisite wide receiver talent to support an offense that has an MVP candidate in Jonathan Taylor, has a defensive player of the year candidate in Shaq Leonard, went out and got DeForest Buckner, signed Stephon Gilmore. Like This team should be playoff bound without a second thought. I think the Colts would be playoff bound if they didn't treat it like Hertz rental car at quarterback. Yeah, they need to go get a guy instead of just like picking up 
a veteran rental that are way past their prime. Brett Favre, I heard, is uh, the candidate for 2023. Well, you can pay him in welfare, I hear. Yep. All right. With that, uh, <laughs> Dallas rushing the Bengals. Yeah, so this is just kind of a continuation of what we talked about. I think the Bengals walked into this game kind of like the Minnesota Vikings walked into this game last year on primetime television in Halloween and went, oh, it's Cooper Rush. Easy dub. Not the case. Um, my biggest question on this, and I don't want to be this guy because everybody's going to be like, what a fucking outrageous take. Why is it that Dallas's offense looks better without Dak Prescott? I mean... It's a more balanced offense. It seems like it's more scheme sound, and they do what they're supposed to. Exactly. Like, Zeke is still trash, though. Absolutely. Tony Pollard is the best running back in that room. He has been for the last year and a half. He should be their starter in their bell cow and make Ezekiel Elliott their goal line guy, maybe. Um, but it's just weird to me. I, I like I watch the game and I go, "This looks like a sound offense." You get Dak in there, and I mean, it almost you saying the same thing about the Niners once uh, Trey Lance went down too. I mean, ah, uh, they were up six to zero when Lance went down, ended up scoring twenty seven points. Yeah, uh, Burrow was sacked six times against the Cowboys. Yeah, Micah Parsons looking Lawrence Taylor esque mm-hmm. in year two. By the way, that guy is an absolute unit. Um, I mean, Dallas has the pieces to get it done, even without Dak. And man, with the way that. Uh, McCarthy's probably going to be attempting to save his job. If Cooper Rush goes out and beats New York this week and, in essence, kind of buoys the ship while Dak is out, are you rushing Dak back? Are you really want him back week four, week five? Or should or do you go, wait till, we're going to wait the full six weeks. You just hang out. I saw a tweet from a Dallas Cowboys fan the other day. But history repeats itself. Well, you get it how you, you get it how you lost it, right? And uh, 21 years ago, a team lost a Pro Bowl quarterback, mm-hmm. and the backup came in, mm-hmm. looked pretty good, yeah, and led that team to a Super Bowl. Okay, just wanted to share that. I mean, you're not wrong. <laughs> I'm not saying that happens with Cooper Rush, but like, also, I don't know if he keeps winning. How do you pull him? Also, how did Tony Romo get his job from Drew Bledsoe? And we're really just picking on Bledsoe, huh? Yeah. You know, I was talking about Tom yeah. Brady. And- yep. So how did, how did couldn't stay healthy? How did Tony get it? Injury. How did Dak get the job from Tony? Injury. Okay. How did this happens way more often in the NFL than, than people realize? How did Colin Kaepernick get his job from Alex Smith? Injury. Sometimes Nick Foles, Carson Wentz, injury. Sometimes when you get a quarterback that just clicks better with your offense, it's a wrap. Warren Moon over Brad Johnson. There you go. Now, I'm not saying that this is that situation, but if, heaven forbid, Cooper Rush goes on a run here and wins every game until Dak is ready to come back, what do you do? With a head coach that's trying to hang on to his job. You have Jerry Jones. Right. So he's going to want to play Dak and Zeke. and Or is he going to want to trade Dak? Because he'll be ready to come back before the trade. You know what I mean? Like That would be an obvious overreaction in my opinion but like i don't know how mike mccarthy can sit back and be like i'm better with this guy at the helm than dak prescott record wise and want to play dak prescott yeah. it's interesting it's interesting it's definitely something to watch as the season goes on right yeah uh so with that let's wrap up our headlines or storylines yeah let's talk Segment. about 
Uh, Canelo versus Triple G3 recap. Do we even uh, want to talk about this? I mean, I think Gabe wants to go ahead. Do you want to try to defend the holy hero in Triple G one more time, Gabe? I don't think I don't think there's anything I need to defend, so to speak. I think that um, I should applaud um, the steroid usage of uh, Canelo Alvarez, of course. Are you kidding me? I you want to no, talk about no, no. steroid I'm usage? Just, I'm just throwing shit out there. No, no. I I mean, look, he looks so old. I I can't believe how old he looked. I can't believe how looks like he, he looked like he didn't want to fight. He looked like uh, um, it looked like he's sparring. You know what I mean? He wasn't thrown with bad intentions. And I don't believe for a minute that he was afraid necessarily. I'd love to hear some strategy. Like if they thought that Canelo was going to come out and go for the knockout right away. And that was kind of his game plan. But, Mm -hmm. you know, he did. Here's the thing. It's not even exciting when he did put those few rounds together that were really good. You know, he he won the ninth. I'll give him that. He won the ninth, but it wasn't close in any other round. No, 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 man. The official official scorecards came out unanimous decision. All of the judges gave him the ninth. He didn't win a a single other round. No, he won another round. He just wasn't unanimous. Uh, Okay. Yeah, that's all. But but no, he did. He won three rounds on many cards. It's just out of twelve. That's not great. Not gonna win. It's not good. I'm not. Listen. He's the reason he went to DAZN mm-hmm. right after their second fight was so that he could fight Canelo right away. Yeah. If there's one criticism I have, I look, I, I don't like Canelo, obviously. I, I totally acknowledge that he is now, I have to begrudgingly say, he is like the third fighter, third best fighter fighting today now. Woo! Um, yeah. Well, no, fourth. So he's behind uh, Bud Crawford. He's behind, not Spence. I think he's had a Spence. And yeah. then he's behind Fury, and I think he's behind Usk. So I think he's fourth. We might see that fight. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, I got to even even hand it to him. Yeah, the Usk thing is absolutely yeah. stupid. How about go back and beat Bevel? Yeah. That would be interesting. Um, I, I think he's in that level now where he doesn't have much to prove, and he gets to do what he wants. I applaud that he fights other people. This really hurts me to you know to do all this. Oh, I love it. Um. I think that his uh, what's a criticism? A criticism? I don't even have one. Um, actually, here's something for Triple G. What a chin, huh? Yeah, he got hit with some absolute shots. Yeah, he did, and managed to stay up. Um, he did. I don't even know what fight is out there for Canelo that I'm excited about, other than uh, the Bevol rematch. I'd like to know how far apart their weights are for like Bud Crawford, but yeah, um, I don't think it's even possible. I mean, and and for me. The the biggest difference here was the RPMs that these two guys have been running at since they saw each other last, which was, what, four years ago? Yeah. In the last four years, mm. for comparison's sake, Canelo has fought eight times. Six of them were either champions or former champions. Triple but G has only fought four times. He has absolutely period. fought who's in front of him. Exactly. You know what I mean? Yeah. You're very much kind of at the mercy of what's in your division and all that stuff at the time, but and now, of course, with your things i just i do want to say i think it's bullshit that he waited uh triple g out because that's clearly what he did very clearly what he did i mean but, i don't know but w- i don't i would agree with you that fight i would agree with you if he wasn't chasing down other titles right like canelo alvarez very obviously wants to be known as the great he wants to go out as one of the greatest if not the greatest mexican yeah. champion and boxer of all time the only way that he's going to be able to accomplish that is by collecting titles and 
doing it in multiple weight classes. Um, he's he's got titles in four different weight classes. Um, you know, since since he's come up, and you know, obviously he's going to go for light heavyweight again at some point. You know, it's it's one of those things to where, and you can tell by the pay per view. By I saw something this morning that this fight only did like five hundred and fifty thousand pay per view buys. It's funny you mentioned that. So I was just going to put that up, and yep. of again, this is my thing of they had such heat, and in boxing, man, that that trilogy was absolutely called for, and I I believe he was hiding behind the fact that he because everyone knows he lost the first fight. Won the he second lost. one and dominated the third. Did not one. did not dominate the second. You're saying he oh. won the second one? Yeah, it, that was very close. Truly could have gone either way, but I, sure. I also lean toward Canelo. Just lean. Um, but everybody leans to Canelo. Should have been a trilogy right away, and he cheated the great Gennady Glovkin, whose whole career, by the way, he, the entire division was running f- from him. He yeah. really was robbed of of what could have been a monster career. It sucks. I feel so bad for my friend Triple G. <laughs> well, uh, but maybe yeah. you can send him a get well soon card because I don't know what's next for him either. He's obviously not going to be anywhere near any sort of title picture with the way that he fought that fight. I was sad to hear him say he's going to keep fighting. Yeah. He should have hung it up. Go out with some grace. Um, oh, actually, I'm sorry. I forgot about this. This is my big take. Yeah. Triple G versus Jake Paul. That I would want to see. Hell yeah. But I don't know how much of Jake Paul is going to be less after left after uh, Anderson Silva removes his fucking head. Yeah. So very likely. Um so Gabe, I do I do have to ask and I want some clarity here. You said current fighter. Mhm. Canelo Alvarez is currently 58-2 and 2 in his career. Yes. And has held titles in four separate weight classes. Yes. Has been a unanimous cha- unanimous champion for over a year in two of them. Is still fighting at an incredibly rapid pace and is still looking to take on more titles. Currently, with where he stands now, where do you put him all time? Mike, well, answer this as well, please. I don't believe that this fight changed where he was. He fought sure. a very old man that he waited out. Um, I will say this, but but it also didn't diminish him at all. Okay. Um, but I would say, okay, fine. I'll let it move up, and he's now in the top 20. Mike? Ugh. I'd put him like top ten ish. Yeah, if, if I'm top gonna, 10. probably like at top 10. ten, like at ten. Hmm. If I'm if I'm gonna be brutally honest, he's probably at eight now. But I know there are more things to come from Canelo. He's just gonna keep going. I think you guys are just not thinking of all the great fighters that have fought and all the greats. Like like I mean, I and I'm not saying he's not. He could be top ten. He could be ten, maybe. I mean, yeah. I mean, he's think he's of the probably like kings 10 in the 80s. To like twelve ish. Is he better than Sugar Ray Leonard? Not in your life. Is he better than uh, you know? There's just so many of those guys like from that era that eight like the four kings. Of course, jump out to me right away. Right. You gotta have Ali. You gotta have. Uh, I mean, I think yeah. Mike Tyson, Tyson in Tyson, his era. Roy Jones. Yeah, like there's just two. I mean, James Tony won uh, titles in five or six divisions. Right, pa- Pacquiao, Pacquiao, you know, Pacquiao. I, my God, yes. you know those guys are in there for yeah. sure. But then I, I do have to step back a little bit outside of just his record and look at his skill. Like 
Right now, his skill is, is getting crazy. Is his skill, his fight IQ, his ability. His, out, that's what it is. The Bevel, like the Bevel fight being the outlier for head movement. Canelo has the best, some of the best head movement I've ever seen. Yeah, it is nuts. He, he is a it's phantom nuts. to hit. It's great. It's and very his good. Not, and he, not, it's not like, you know, and he's knocking guys out. And every weight class he's been in, technically, like, think about it this way. He's he sets traps from round one. He'll go to the body, go to the body, go to the body, and then he'll th- he'll faint to the body and he'll hit you with a a right cross, and you're on the canvas because he's hit you in that same spot over and over and over and over and over again. You know, and he fought Callum Smith and he just kept punching him right right in, in the, the elbow. So he dropped that hand and then he could get his clean. You know what I mean? It's it's things like that. Like we gotta have on this incredible. Boxing. Analyst or analyst guy that I'm talking about because I'm fascinated to hear about that because I don't know how common that was the whole punching in the arm right thing. you know I mean I know it was done I know it was a thing but he seems to have like kind of mastered that yeah. attacking the biceps attacking the did you see him hitting um, Triple G's liver yeah and body shots yeah like, he throws G like that wrapping hook yeah you know what I mean it's it's man he's so he's so impressive and it's not like he's a big guy. He's five eight. Yeah, no, he's a little tank, but but it's um, I'm so curious because with Bevel, what he did is it's like he forgot he was fighting at a higher level, or like you know with a with a tougher guy. He, well, he looked so much faster last night than he looked in the Bevel fight, and I think the only drawback to him being able to accelerate his greatness in upper level weight classes at this point in his career is going to be. He can no longer sustain fighting at like a light heavyweight and retain his speed. The weight is going to start to affect him. Yes. Well, yeah, it, it does. And I think that, so what I was going to say with the Bevel, it's the I don't feel like it was a lot that he was so much faster. I feel like he, he had gotten in the habit all of a sudden where he wasn't boxing and he was walking people down and oh, just hitting yeah. like, you know, KO shots. Well, when you're breaking guys' faces. Yeah, yeah, he was, he counters that well. I mean, he he could, absolutely. And it's like he thought that's what Bevel and he did yeah. not adjust, which was such an outlier because he's been so good at adjusting. Absolutely. So, and, yeah. And Tim Jackson here, Mayweather, or, Tim Jackson says Mayweather hit him quite often. And I would agree with you. Mayweather's speed is on another level. The, there's a thing in boxing. Not at 40, though. Not, it yeah. was not. It I mean, that's what's crazy is that he – that's what actually, to me, the thing that holds me back from putting Canelo in the top 10 or even – I mean, I'm telling you, if I really look at it, he might not be top 20 even because that that Mayweather fight is such a question mark for me. So and, and he beat him bad. Well, here's the thing, though. In boxing – I think you have to look at it with some the perspective of there is such a thing as the rub, right? Mm-hmm. Mayweather is tactically an all-time great yes. when it comes to 100%. fighting. And I think Canelo walked in there with Mayweather, and he did exactly what you're supposed to do when you lose to a legend. He learned that Mayweather was speaking a different language in the ring. He's a top five all-time fight IQ guy. Yeah. You for know, sure, he, he's that, and that's true. So 100%. if you and I see it because I went back and I've had this thought for a long time. I watched the fight before Mayweather. I watched mm-hmm. the Mayweather fight, and then I watched Canelo's next fight. Oh yeah, he learned. Oh, it's it was instant. He's yeah. like, oh, it, it. I need to learn not to get hit. I need to make people realize that there are consequences with my power. There are consequences for missing me, and yeah. it launched the entire back half of his career. So. 
Yeah, you're right. Mayweather hit him a lot. But I, I, I've, I've said this multiple times. I think, much like, you know, Triple G, way, or Gabe argues that Canelo waited out Triple G. Mm-hmm. He did. If Mayweather ever would have attempted to double back with Canelo, we have a different fight. Mayweather was also only 36 when they fought. What? Bingo. I swear to God, he was 40. It was 2013. He claims he was, he was 40. Maybe that's what he was. He lied in the in the press conference well, when he said he was 40. You realize he can't read, so who and knows? Yeah, no, I know. That's very true. Um, one of the greatest digs all time is 50 Cent better, or said 500,000 read one page <laughs> yeah. of Harry Potter, and he never responded. That's so funny. Yeah. All right. So with that, let's uh, let's <laughs> switch gears to can, what... Can we pause? I do want to get my I told you show into Gabe. We talked about this six months ago, and Gabe's like, oh, Triple G this, Triple G that. I was right. So I did warn Gabe. Did warn Gabe. Mm. At, right. at that time, had you said, hey, he's going to fight him in five years when he's four. Gabe, we've only had this show for I a year and a half. I, no, I'm saying, like, it, had I, <laughs> I don't know. It just seemed like, I, did, I don't know, man, he looks old. That's all I can say. Well, when you when you have to stop bringing the pharmacy bag back from across the border. Oh, yeah, that's Triple G. Yeah, it is. No, shut up. What? <laughs> it definitely is. Oh. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, yeah. <laughs> All right. So with that, let's uh, transition into our what's more likely segment. What is more likely, Michael? Uh, so I have three what is more likely statements for you as we look forward in the NFL season after two weeks. Absolutely. And I believe, Gabe, we even have background music. We're going to do this as like a, a legitimate segment here. Check that out. All right, Mike. All right, so what's more likely? The Giants make the playoffs or the Bengals miss the playoffs? Ooh, um, obviously. Part of me has to kind of say the Giants make the playoffs because the Bengals are in a division to where if they get, if they stay on this obnoxiously slow start, and we talked about the meat grinder they have at the end, there's a good chance that not only they miss the playoffs, they miss it by a mile. The Ravens are good. The Steelers aren't nearly as bad as we thought that they were going to be. They will be. And the Browns, as long as they can tread water until Deshaun Watson gets back, are going to be a are going to be a team that is at least playing good football down the stretch. The Bengals need to start winning some games now. So Giants make playoffs. Giants make the playoffs is more likely. All right. Uh, so we have three total. So the second one for you, really quick. What's more likely? Tua Tongavailoa throws for 4,000 yards or Dalvin Cook rushes for less than 1,000. Ooh. Um, Tua for 4,000, I would have to say. I don't know how much substance you're going to get out of Tua for 4,000. Um, also, KOC has not proven to me yet that he knows how to use Dalvin in this offense, and it's been a little bit of a committee. We've seen more of Alexander Madison than I thought we were going to see early. Um, and Tua has Madden characters as wide receivers. And if Tua has proven anything throughout his entire quarterbacking career, it's that just like when he was at Alabama, if you give him really fast receivers that are kind of open, he can hit them. So Tua for 4,000 yards. All right. And our third and final, the San Francisco 49ers are still successful after losing their starting quarterback and running back and make the playoffs or the Colts lose double-digit games. Colts lose... Colts lose double-digit games. And it's not a knock on the Niners' success. It's just a knock on how I look at the Colts right now. They have 
the they have a top five offensive line. They have a top seven or eight defensive line. They have one of the best linebackers in the league. They have Stefan Gilmore. They have um, Pittman is still a valid option at wide receiver. Moali Cox has been efficient. They have an MVP candidate at running back. They have an, a head coach that was on a Super Bowl winning team in Philly. Where is the disconnect? Matt Ryan is a fraud. Yeah, I think he is the definition of over the hill. All right. Well, that was our quick and to the point segment. Uh, what is more likely? I like that. A little, little music in the background. Give us some tempo. I have to do that again. Yeah, I liked it. Yeah. You have news? Next segment. All right. <laughs> Games like that was dumb. Don't do that again. Uh, weekend football preview. As we look forward to week three in the NFL, we have four games that we want to break down. And then uh, that's that's the end of the show, man. For sure. What do we got first? Uh, Buffalo at Miami. Uh, this was looking like it was going to be a blowout at the beginning of the season. And then Miami comes back from down 21 to uh, throw six touchdowns and 400 yards, and they beat the Ravens. This okay. is looking like a little bit more of a game here. No, it's not. Let's not kid ourselves. Tua looks great against the Ravens, who, you know, I mean, let's, let's also admit that the Dolphins managed to let themselves get down by 17 points at the latter part of the third quarter, right? That's why you play four of them. And they did that against a team that had no wide receivers. Rashad Bateman. Stop Come it. on, man. Stop it. Come on, man. Stop it. Come on, man. Stop it. Come on, man. It's not the same. It is not even close to the same. The Buffalo Bills are a different animal. They covered up. A good wide receiver, actually a fairly decent wide receiver the other week with rookies. Their safeties are way better than what the Ravens have to offer right now. Their defensive line is better than what the Ravens have to offer right now. I think this is going to show, this game is going to be the litmus test or the barometer for Miami, and you're going to see, yeah, they might be hanging around the playoff picture, but when it comes to a true contender, it's not really all that close. Because the Bills will find a way to take away and cover up or muddy the coverage against Tua, and his lack of athleticism against that pass rush is going to be a problem. And then that defense, keep in mind, against a team that had no wide receivers, got torched, and they're going to have to go up against Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs and... That offense that just moves people. So you're saying if you have Gabe Davis in fantasy this week, play him. Sweet, thanks, man. You're welcome. All right, so we got. What do you got as a score prediction? Well, I actually do think it's going to be close. Okay, I'll go 31-27 Buffalo. I got 30-20 Buffalo. That's not that bad. Yeah. Uh, and then our <laughs> second game. For some reason, Nick wants to talk about the toilet bowl of week three. <laughs> The Las Vegas Raiders at the Tennessee Titans. It only looks like the toilet bowl because both of them have got off to have obnoxiously slow starts, but there I is mean, Tennessee lost 41 to seven in week two. Storyline wise, this game might be more important than people realize. Why? If the Raiders lose this game, they're looking at a very, very, very long, hard uphill battle in that division to be even hanging around the playoff picture. Denver. Kansas City. Denver hasn't shown anything. The Chargers quarterback might be hurt. hurt. True. But an 0-3 start is a tough ask in, is. in that division to start with. And 
you know, how loud does it then get there around some of the moves they made in the offseason? Who knows? Um, so I think they need to, and for them, the game is on the road. So it's not like they're getting a break here to start 0-2. The most interesting part of this, I believe, is I said, let's start Malik Willis watch during the preseason. If the Titans go 0-3 to start the year and they lose this game at home to an 0-2 team, yeah, I think and it looks big too. And if they and if the if the offense doesn't hang up big passing numbers or look efficient, start week four. I would start Malik Willis. Yeah, I think it's going to be twenty four to seven Las Vegas, and I think you're going to hear Malik chance in quarter three. He he played last week. That's all, I mean I, I get it. Like when you're was, down that I mean, was, when yeah. when when you're down forty one to seven right. or whatever, right? Like how much longer can you ride with your starter? But that is how a lot of these things start, man. When your team looks like that, and he wasn't awful. You know what I mean? What was he, two for four on passing? He had... He can't be worse than Tannehill is right now. It, my point, and exactly. that's the thing. Is like, I actually had faith in Ryan Tannehill. When Ryan Tannehill is playing well, he no. can win games for you. He really can. But is that a, But was it Tannehill, or was it Henry and A.J. Brown that elevated him to look like a half-decent quarterback? I truly thought he looked half decent in Miami, surrounded by nobody. Oh. He's a heck of an athlete. He was a Division One receiver yeah. until his senior year. He's a heck of an athlete. He can throw the ball pretty well. Yeah. I think it breaks down to scheme and how he's reading the defense. Sure. And when your running game isn't working, even with Derrick Henry, and he's not the guy who's going to throw for 350 and just beat teams by himself. He's never been that guy. Yeah. Malik and- has that capability. There's also schematically something that's very interesting that has been proven a couple of different times when you integrate a running quarterback into an offense. Regardless of the weapons that you have, if you have a half-decent running back and a half-decent offensive line, you can win some games on the RPO, like the simplistic RPO offense. You really only have 11 plays, or so, this is an so, exaggeration. So Nick had an epiphany this week yes, about the RPO I offense. I absolutely actually. did. Why don't you share it? I don't remember it. Okay. So typically, <laughs> offense versus defense. Yes. Oh yeah, I remember. You're that. looking at ten versus eleven because the quarterback because the quarterback isn't really accounted for. Mm-hmm. Well, if you substitute that for a scrambling quarterback, all of a sudden now you're basically eleven on eleven. Yep. And then if you run an RPO or a read based offense where you're reading one or two guys, mm-hmm. you can almost flip ten versus eleven to like eleven on nine. Yeah. It's 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 interesting, and I think. With Derrick Henry there and Malik Willis's mobility, I know Vrabel isn't going to want to run an offense that way, but is that is very obviously with the lack of perimeter weapons that they have right now, the best option they have to win football games in Tennessee. Basically become the AFC's Philadelphia Eagles. That's exa- Or Baltimore, when Lamar came in for Joe Flacco. Yeah. Um, it, it just seems to work. It's more simplistic. Everybody knows what their role is. You know what you're getting into week, week in and week out. You're going to have to play physical smash mouth football, which fits them, which fits them and, and milk some games away. I think it's time to pull the trigger. If they lose this game, Malik Willis starts in week four. All right. Uh, so then let's transition to the Sunday night. Did we give a score prediction for that? 24, seven. I have 21, 17 Las Vegas. Jesus close. Tennessee hasn't put up 17 points all year, have they? Uh, <laughs> San Francisco at Denver Sunday night. Um, 
awfully early in the year for a must win, but once again, in oh sorry, looking at the wrong notes here. Um, spotlight will be is going to be shining pretty bright on one of Nathaniel Hackett's biggest weaknesses, which is how do you um, deal with a, a physical complex defense in prime time. He has been a mess so far managing games. I have never seen Russell Wilson look so bad in my life in third down and two minute situations. I said it last week. Denver has. One problem and one problem alone right now, and it's a head coaching problem. I mean, when was the last time you saw Russell Wilson finish with less than 50% completion percentage? I don't, maybe never. Maybe never. Maybe never. Um, and I don't know if that's necessarily the head coach. Yeah. To be honest, um, that's Russell Wilson not uh, bringing Broncos Nation with him on his ride. <laughs> yeah. Nathaniel Hackett. Get the fuck out. <laughs> like, it's 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 a real problem. And because it's going to be in prime time, it's going to be for the whole world to see. And based on what Denver would like to think that it's going to be, if he doesn't figure it out quick. I think San Francisco is going to walk in and punch him in the mouth. Exactly. I really do. Uh, yeah, for sure. Jimmy G's going to be 14 of 18, 175 yards, two touchdowns. Yep. And I'm going to say Niners win. 27-17. Yeah, I've got it 23-20 San Francisco. And it's to me, it's going to be Denver's going to get another chance to win it at home. They'll have the ball on offense, and something's going to go wrong. That just seems to be the way that this is going to go. They're going to be in a lot of ball games, and Nathaniel Hackett, much like Mike Hackett Zimmer. Hackett will call a timeout, but he doesn't have any left. Or, you know, he'll call, you know, a play that makes zero, like, They'll be with they'll they'll have no timeouts. The Dallas Cowboys quarterback draw. Right. Or they'll throw the ball into the middle of the field and not have enough time to spike it or something ridiculous because that has been the only thing that we have seen out of Nathaniel Hackett so far. Sure. Is chaos. So yeah, I mean it's not even organized chaos over there. No, it's just straight chaos. chaos. Straight chaos. Uh and then let's transition to the last game that we're gonna break down for three. Um Monday night football and NFC East matchup. Between Dallas and Ooh. New York. Yeah. Um, all right. And Gabe's letting us know right now, uh, Michael Gallup could make his 2022 debut versus the Giants, um, but would be on a snap count. They do need some weapons <laughs> on CD Lamb got ripped by the owner. Yeah. Really glad that I invested in, in him as my fantasy handcuffed to Dak Prescott. Um, Giants could get off to a 3-0 and start here. Possible. If Dable can find a way for them to manage Micah Parsons, and I would assume that it's going to look a lot like when people try to block Aaron Donald at this point, because he's really the only thing that makes that defense go in Dallas. If you can slow him down, you can spotlight some of the other weaknesses that Dallas does have. Um, And then if they can control the clock with Saquon Barkley on offense and the defense does anything to disrupt Cooper Rush, you're going to have yourselves a ball game and Dallas could walk, and it's a home game, or uh, for New York, it's a home game. So New York could walk out of this 3-0 and looking at a division lead. Yeah, I just don't think they have enough enough weapons. So unless Dable continues his ritual sacrifice of chickens prior to the game, <laughs> uh, Dallas is going to win this one. I'm going to say 24-13 Dallas, actually. If he's sacrificing chickens... I would send him to a Tyson chicken farm and let him sacrifice as many as he needs to for this game. I got it's like Pedro Serrano in major league. Man. I got New York winning 17, 14 off to a three and zero start wow. for the season. Shocking over Dallas. Well, you guys are going to have to let us know what you think about our weekend football preview of week three. 
Uh, make sure to let us know what you thought about our What's More Likely segment as well. Um, let us know what you thought about the storylines around the NFL after week two and where the Minnesota Vikings stack up around the NFL. We don't need to hear anything about the Minnesota Twins. They are dead. Bury them six feet under. We purposely will s- did not say We will see them this. next spring in the hopes that anything has changed. Um, we will be with you guys once again next Thursday for another wonderful r- trip around the sporting world. Um, it is almost fall time, so I hope everybody out there is enjoying their pumpkin spice whatever. Um, it is technically not. fall. Yesterday was the first day of fall. I woke up this morning, and there was like like a that that cold fog just covering my my car windows and stuff and i was like yep i have to start breaking out the jackets i'm wearing jeans today no more flip-flops 65 is a high today here in minnesota so yeah it's not great but it is football season so there's lots to be excited about next week we will be breaking down everything that happened uh in week three of the nfl as the minnesota vikings hopefully trounce uh the motor city kitties uh you could say pounce or dad jokes from mike um, we will also be covering some of the upcoming UFC events, as I know that they have a big card coming up as well. Uh, and then I believe we are less than a few, two weeks away from Minnesota Wild, uh, puck drop for the regular season, and the Minnesota Timberwolves heading to camp. So we'll have, uh, hopefully, a little bit more hope in the Minnesota Sports Department uh, in the weeks to come. Minnesota Timberwolves are the only NBA team with three players in the top 25. There we go. Yeah, hey, congratulations to Anthony Edwards, number 23. And congratulations on your $40,000 fine. Now clean it up. Clean it up. <laughs> yeah. Um. So, as always, glad to have you guys with us. We'll be happy to have everybody with us next week. Until then, Mike, they have sports fans, or uh, they are sports fans, sports fan, fan, friends. Jesus, where can they find us? I got you. If you are a sports fan with sports fan friends, find us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, Spotify, YouTube, and Patreon. You can also find us on cable here in the Twin Cities on MCN6 Saturdays at 10 p.m. You can also access MCN6 through your Roku remote. No excuses as to why you haven't watched this show. You can find us anywhere. Um, Until then, ladies and gentlemen, as always, take care, stay safe, have fun. See.